Thank you for that worship this morning. What an encouragement it is to me, and I know it is to you as well. Beautiful, beautiful singing this morning. What if, what if, two words that I'm pretty sure plays a much larger role in our lives than even what we might be aware of. There are a lot of what-ifs in life, and they show up in different ways. For the farmer, the what-if may show up in this way. What if I get a major hailstorm this season? That could be a what-if in his mind, or, or maybe it's the businesswoman who says, what if I don't get that promotion that I both deserve and I need this year? Or maybe it's you Dallas Cowboys fans, and you're sitting there, and you're going, I know that's a big what-if, <laughs> but the, the, don't beat me to my punchline, okay? The, 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 the what-if here is what if Dak and Zeke are actually healthy the whole season this year? I mean, what if? But maybe it's something simpler like, what if it's going to be raining as we leave here this morning? Or maybe something really big like the investor who might say, what if the Dow Jones takes a major plunge next week? You see, from the trivial to the major, there are all kinds of what-ifs that are going through our minds that can play this central role in how we determine or determining how we feel about the things that are happening in our lives and how we try to manage the uncertainties of the future. You see, this whole what if really has to do with what are we going to do with all those things that are out there that we're trying to sort of, we're not there yet, but we're trying to navigate all of these what ifs that are going on in life. For example, we'll go backwards here. For the, fam, for the farmer, he's trying to process his what ifs, and as he does that, he will determine whether or not he's going to buy crop insurance in order to protect himself at some degree from that hailstorm. Or the businesswoman and how she processes the what if is going to determine whether or not maybe she stays in this position or looks for a position somewhere else. Or for the Dallas Cowboy fan, and, and, and Betty talked to me about this earlier, Bill, for her, it's going to determine whether or not she buys season tickets. No, that's not, that's not going to happen. It's something else like money, right? Yeah, that, that, that ain't going to happen. So you, so you see, this how we process this what if really is going to start determining the things that are happening to us, how we feel about those, and actually the movements that we make. The point here is, all of us have all kinds of what-if questions rolling around in our heads all the time. 
And as I said, some of those things are not all that important. Some of those things are not all that big. But some of those things are major what-ifs. And we need to have some type of answer. We need to have some type of solution for those what-ifs that are rolling around in our mind. This is where Jesus comes in. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus has something to say about every little or or even even every big thing that that what if that rose through our head. But what I've discovered and what we'll see in Scripture, that he does have many answers for the what ifs, but especially he has answers for some of the major ones that we encounter our in our lives. And he's going to give us a, a, an answer this morning that I really think that we need to take to heart. This is in this series, the series that we've called Summer on the Mount, Life Beyond Ordinary. We're in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, and we're going to get there in just a moment. But as Jesus begins to talk in this series, and particularly in this lesson this morning, what he's going to do is he's going to, he's going to take what we're calling ordinary. This very earthly, this very worldly, this very human view of what to do with the what-ifs, and he's going to turn that around, and he's going to start to address those things and wants to address them with what we're calling a beyond-the-ordinary view, something that comes from the mind of God, something that comes from the genius of Jesus. And so that's what he's going to be doing with these what-ifs this morning. So let's begin here. As Jesus says these words, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." As Jesus speaks these words, he is addressing and he's starting to to help process a very ordinary what-if concern that people in every age and every walk of life has. And that what-if is this, what if I don't keep enough? What if I don't keep enough? And everything that Jesus is going to say from, for, from here to verse 34 is going to in some way deal with this mindset or this question that's rolling around in our heads as we try to process life, especially the things that we can't see coming. Have I really kept enough? What if I didn't keep enough? You see, we start, and Jesus starts really in the essence here of even though we have enough right now to store up and to treasure, even though we have enough to meet our immediate needs, the what-ifs in our minds, all the different scenarios that we can conjure up, and we can conjure up a lot of scenarios when it comes to what-if. Instead of letting those what-ifs start to dictate the thinking, the attitudes, and the movements of our lives, we need to think about this in, in a completely different way. 
Now, listen, let me say this. As Jesus says those words, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and, and, and store up for yourselves treasures. As he says that whole uh, 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 truth there, I, I don't really hear Jesus condemning savings. And I don't hear Jesus talking badly about prudent financial planning that we, we need to do. But I think he's talking about, and I believe he's talking about something else. Look at verse 25. When you look at verse 25, I think 25 reveals what's really going on here. He says this in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So he, I'm jumping to the end there, and I'm saying what he's really talking about here is he's zeroing in on this what-if attitude that says, now listen to the nuance here, what if I don't keep enough to be okay? What if I don't keep enough to take care of me no matter what happens, and especially In this case, he's saying, what if I come to the point in life where I don't have enough food, and I don't have enough drink, and I don't have enough clothing? What then? What if I haven't kept enough? Well, what happens when that hits us in our minds, what happens is is ordinarily we start addressing this from an ordinary way of thinking. And as we address it in this ordinary way, what happens is we come up with this answer. And the answer is, I need to be keeping more. I mean, if something could happen, I can't even imagine what, but if something happens, in order to prevent that from happening, what I need to do is I need to be keeping more. And if I keep more, then that's really going to take care of the worries that I have about all of those unknowns, especially this worry that I might finally get to some place where I won't have enough food, I won't have enough drink, I won't have enough clothing. And so that keeping more, all of a sudden, if you adopt that mindset, it becomes the solution to your worry. (laughs) But the problem is, is this seeming solution to the worry is actually creating an internal problem for your spiritual life. And that's what Jesus is going to start addressing. Instead of it being a solution, it's going to start creating layers of faultiness within us. It's going to start leading us ultimately to spiritual failure. And we were, Bill and I and Chris were talking about this in, in, uh, in preaching team on Tuesday. You start seeing as Jesus unfolds this, you see this descent taking place. You see these layers, these bad layers upon layers, taking us somewhere spiritually that we're not supposed to be going with these what-if questions in our lives. And so Jesus begins this way. You see, if we start buying into that what-if, meaning I, I, I need to be keeping more, the first thing that it's going to do is it's going to start creating a faulty heart. Jesus puts it Uh, This way, when he again says, 
in verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, there, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's happening is that as we start adopting this and, and dwelling on this, what if I don't keep enough men, uh, uh, for myself mentality, it starts creating a, an healthy heart that starts living and going where it's not supposed to be. But, but I, I'm thinking even more specifically here that as we think that, it starts creating a heart that is beating in a very unhealthy way. And that heartbeat sounds like this. I must keep more. No, really. I, I must keep more. I must keep more. If I start to believe and think in, in these terms of what if, what if I don't, and I start looking at the possibilities, all of a sudden my heart starts beating with this rhythm of, well, the solution is I, I just need to keep more. I need to keep more. I need to cre keep more. And the crazy thing about this, listen to what Jesus is saying, the crazy thing about this is that this heart is beating for keeping more stuff that's not going to last. I need to keep some more of this stuff that's going to be eaten by moths. I need to keep more stuff that's going to be destroyed. I just need to keep more stuff that someone's going to steal from me. That's my solution. And, and that's the, the faulty and sort of the craziness of the, uh, of the heart that's created by this, this, this thought. I'm going to keep more stuff that really is not worth anything to me and I'm going to sacrifice the treasures of heaven for those things instead. That's the first bad, faulty thing that's happening within us. But it gets worse. The next thing shows up like this. It shows up with a faulty vision. Listen again to what Jesus says. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear and your whole body uh, clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Listen, as he's talking and he's saying these words, he, he's, he, he's trying to make clear this simple point. What our eyes are set on, or our eye, the focus of our life, whatever that's set on will begin to determine the spiritual nature and character of our lives. The focus of keeping more, I think Jesus is saying here, the focus of keeping more starts to infect us with darkness. Instead of us being those who are focused on the light that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9 that brings to us goodness and righteousness and truth, instead of bringing that in and shaping our lives with that light, all of a sudden our focus becomes on more, and as we focus on more and more, what happens is it starts bringing darkness into our lives. And I think the darkness he's talking about is the darkness of greed. 
And it starts to take over. And it starts bringing into our lives everything that goes with greed. Is this not the story of Judas? Is it not the story of Judas? How can Judas, how can the disciple of Jesus walk with Jesus every single day, see his glory, see his power, see his might, see his miracles, and then turn around and betray him for 30 pieces of silver? How can that happen? It's the focus of his eye. Because the focus of his eye was on more, whatever light he had within him all of a sudden became consumed with the darkness of greed. And as a result, he betrayed his Lord. Do you see the power of that? And how scary these layers of faultiness can be. But it gets worse. We get even deeper into failure here. It can ultimately be the thing that creates a faulty allegiance in our lives. Listen again to Jesus. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Again, God is communicating here that the ordinary, I must have more mindset, leads somewhere. And here's where it leads to. That mindset leads to placing more on the throne of our hearts. We, say, we just sang, uh, uh, the king of my heart. Jesus is the king of my heart. But when more becomes the focus, more pushes, we allow more to push Jesus off the throne, and more sits on the throne. Instead of giving our love and our devotion to Jesus, we start giving our love and devotion to more and more and more. More becomes the king. Sits on the throne of our lives. Do you see what Jesus is saying here in just these few verses? Do you see the great spiritual ruin, the great spiritual collapse that is taking place layer by layer by layer? When our solution to what, if, uh, what, uh, uh, what am I going to do, when that solution becomes I need to keep more, the solution becomes spiritually devastating instead of beneficial for our lives. But here's where Jesus turns it around. Let's pick up in verse 25 again. It's in verse 25 that what's happening is, is Jesus is going to, to start calling us up to the mount. That's where this whole series is about. You can have those ordinary views down there, but Jesus is calling us up to the mount, and he wants to show us some extraordinary views of how to deal with this what-if-I-don't mentality that we're, we're having to, to deal with. And what he's going to do is he's going to show us that what we've been calling the beyond the ordinary view, the view of Jesus, the view of God. And it's going to look sort of like this. Instead of being driven by the uncertainty of what if I don't, which is full of uncertainty, instead of allowing that to drive our life, Jesus on the mount is calling us to a more confident life. 
Instead of uncertainty, he's calling us to the confidence of anchoring ourselves in because God did and because God does. Now, let me say this again. Instead of anchoring ourselves in, what if I don't? In the question mark there, let's anchor ourselves in the exclamation point of because Jesus did and because God does. You see, there's a huge difference. One's ordinary and one's beyond the ordinary. Sunset, we have an opportunity. Brothers and sisters of Christ, we have the decision to make whether we're going to live in the exclamation point or whether we're going to live in the question mark. We get to live in the confidence of God. The confidence of God is there because God, first of all, he says, created life and body. Listen again. Here's where our confidence comes. Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life much more than food and the body much more than clothing? What's he saying? Well, he's saying this. He's giving us this beyond ordinary view of our lives that's supposed to inspire us and instill within us confidence no matter what comes and no matter what happens in our lives. And here's the, here's the, uh, the point. And he's saying it this way. Listen, I want you to stop and think here. Because God created the body, or first of all, God created life, Think about that. Because of the miracle and the grandeur and the amazing nature and power of God that's able to begin life from nothing because he created that life and because he created the glory, the complexity, and the majesty of the body because he did all of that, it is nothing. Listen, it is nothing for him than to feed and to clothe that life and that body that he's created. Why are you worried about that? He's the one that created it. Why would he not clothe it and feed it? If he has the power to do that, he has the power to take care of the simpler thing in your mind. But there's more confidence. Jesus goes on. He says, look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who... Uh, of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. Again, Jesus is pointing out what he wants us to do is he wants us to come up and out of all of that ordinary anxiety-filled what if more centric valley view and, and, and perspective of living life, he wants us to come up out of that. He wants us to come up on this mount of truth, and he wants us to listen to the message of the birds and of the lilies and of the grass of the field. He wants us to hear what they're teaching us and, and, and what they're telling us. And the thing that they're trying to teach us is that we can live confidently because God gives you supreme value. I, I, I love, 
I, I love the humor. Maybe it's not humor. Maybe it's just absurdity of what Jesus is saying here. Now follow this. Jesus here in this text is saying, okay, time out. Take a minute. Let's, let's talk about this. Okay, I want everybody to come up on the mount with me, okay? I want everybody to come up here. And, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to take a look. I want you to look, and I want you to observe some things. Uh, first of all, uh, I want you to look at the birds, and then I want you to look at the lilies of the field. And I got two questions for you. Okay, are you looking? You're looking, you're looking, you're looking. Okay, you're looking. So you're looking at the birds. Here's question number one, Jesus says. As you look at the birds, do you see any of those little birds down on the ground with little seeds bags hanging around their little necks, walking around, sowing seed so that they can provide food for themselves. You see, Libby, you're a bird watcher. I know you love birds. Have you seen that? Have you seen them out there sowing? I didn't No. Have you seen any of them with these sickles? You know, these sharp knives, and they're coming around, and they're cutting food for themselves. And not only that, they're, they're taking their little sickles, and they're, putting, uh, they're getting it, and they're putting it in their little, their little carts, and they're hauling them over to the little barns they built in order that they can store up all this food to take care of themselves. Are you seeing that? Anybody seeing that? That's what Jesus is asking. But he's not through. He said, well, what about the lilies of the field? Are you watching the lilies of the field? And, and, and this is paraphrased just a little bit. As you watch the lilies of the field, do you see any of them running herds of sheep down there, toiling, taking care of sheep so they can harvest the wool off of it and start spinning and making their own clothing? Do you see any of that going on? And the answer is no. And the question is why? And the answer that he's saying here is because God values them enough to provide more than enough for them. And here's his point. If he values them enough to provide more than enough for them, why wouldn't he provide more than enough for you? And here's 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 the kicker. For you who are worth much more than their worth. Now, Jesus is just talking bad about birds and lilies. No, no, the, his, his point is not found until you hit verse 30. It's in verse 30 that he says, okay, here's what I'm saying. If, if God dresses, if he arrays the grass of the field that is here today, and tomorrow it's burned up in the furnace, when he makes that statement, what he's saying is, If God is going to take care of the things that are actually moving toward extinction, how much more is he not going to take care of things that are moving toward eternity? He has prepared us for heaven. He has prepared us for eternity. He has not prepared us for extinction. We're we're worth much more than that to him. So why in the world would he not take care of? of us. You see, confront life. We're supposed to, Jesus wants us to confront life with a beyond the ordinary confidence that God sees us as the most precious and the most valuable thing in all of creation, and as a result, will indeed bless us accordingly. Family, this is the core of our faith, is it not? 
that we are that valuable and precious to God. But if we don't believe that, Jesus speaks to us and says, you are people of little faith. Read it. It's right there in the text. When we don't live with that confidence, we become people of little faith. But we're not talking about no confidence. We're talking about confidence. And the next, next confident point that Jesus brings up is because God knows his children. So he says this. And Jesus says, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. As he says that, here's something that, that we're learning. We learned that the anxious, follow me here, the anxious what if I don't mindset in one way does really make sense. Jesus has been saying that doesn't really make sense, but in one way it makes sense. It makes sense if you're a Gentile. If you don't believe your fa- that God is your father, it makes sense for you to say, what if I? Because the I in that statement is the only one that's going to provide for your needs and your hopes for the future. That makes perfect sense. But the problem is, is that's not the truth. You know, and I know, then we as Christians know, that our God is our Father. And that He knows us as His children. And because He knows us out of, as His children, listen, He makes Himself responsible for our care and for our needs. Not that we're estranged or disconnected, but he makes himself responsible for us. And when that happens and when we believe that and we have that confidence in our heart, then the doubt of what if I is overcome with the confidence of because God does. The doubt of what if I don't, what if I'm not able, is ultimately overcome with the confidence of because God does. As I start to bring this to an end here in the next 20 minutes, (laughs) in case you haven't noticed, Jesus has been involved in a debate, an argument, an apology here. And he's been using a lesser versus greater argument. He's been using a lesser versus greater argument against this what if I don't keep enough view of life. And it's very simple and it goes like this. If God takes care of the lesser, if he takes care of the birds and the lilies and the grass... If he takes care of the lesser, why would he not take care of the greater? Why would he not take care of you? Why would he not take care of you? Why would he not take care of me? And he's talking about this this lesser to greater, lesser to greater all the way through. But the crescendo comes in these words. This crescendo of the argument of lesser versus greater comes when he says these words. But seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and all of these things will be added or will be given to you. You see, what he's saying here is, is don't seek and don't keep the lesser things of life. Don't be all wrapped up and all focused on it and set as a primary focus, focus to be seeking and keeping the lesser things of this life. What I'm wanting and what I'm saying that brings the greatest value to your life, Jesus is saying, is for you to keep seeking and keep keeping the greater things of life. He said, he, and he boils it down to two things. It could be all kinds of things, but it's really two things. Seek and keep, first of all, the kingdom of God. And there's much to be said about this, but let me zero in here. The kingdom of God is what Jesus has called the pearl of great value. You should be seeking the pearl of great value because when you're in that kingdom you start to know and to realize that all the blessings of that kingdom of God that comes today and into eternity now belong to you. That's why you seek that first. But also seek first His righteousness. You see, the foremost treasure that this world can never, ever, ever give us is the treasure of righteousness. The treasure of righteousness in Christ Jesus. The freedom from guilt and the confidence of freedom from condemnation and sin that we have by faith in Jesus Christ and the justification that comes in his name. So, so the encouragement here is let's kick this what if I don't keep enough habit Let's get past this. What if I don't keep enough anxiety and worry in our lives? And let's live in the confidence of because God did and because God does. Man, that'll change everything in our lives. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I, I want to tell you that the greatest confidence that can come into your life it's the confidence that God did send His Son to atone for your sins. And that God does provide salvation and forgiveness in sin for everyone who believes. But this morning we've really been talking more about us. And so my encouragement for us this morning is to believe more to give ourselves more to the truth of God did and God does. And when we give ourselves to that truth, there's three really powerful things that are going to take place. Number one, the nagging of the anxieties of this world will be quieted. Don't you long for that? The quietness from those anxieties. Number two, the peace of knowing God is perfectly taking care of you every day is going to be the spirit of your heart. And one last thing. I believe when we put our confidence in God, what's going to happen, instead of our hands always out there reaching out for more, I think they'll be turned around and they'll be reaching out to share more with others. The confident beyond ordinary life in Christ.
Let's give our heart to that while we stand and while we sing.